You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2007 Frankfurt Avenue. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 and 7 p.m. I was talking to my friend Esther. We, remember Esther from uh, Matcha, Joshua? She was at the, yeah, she was at the conference, and um, we were on a pilgrimage once together to Africa and met this wonderful woman who had been there forever, uh, fighting malaria with her husband and now AIDS, just kind of brilliant person. And I found myself walking to this meeting with her and suddenly just kind of spilling my guts about my most recent trip to Greece. I guess, I guess she seemed interested, so I just kept on talking. And I, I was talking to her about how much it had moved me and kind of juiced me up, said, wow, it was, I was amazed at myself, you know, the, the old dude goes back to Greece and Paul is so exciting to him that I just got kind of filled with the sense of, oh, let's do this thing. That is so, so great. And um, she was egging me on. I think I even told her about this picture, not that one, this one. The, um, I was walking out of my hotel room in Atea, great beach town, whoever want to go there, but um, I think, I don't know where Gwen was, but I, I saw Venus there in the clouds. And I was just kind of dragged into this beautiful sight. You know, I, I don't take very good pictures. That's about the best I could do. I took like 15 of them. That's the best one. Because I just was enthralled by this moment I'd had when it was like I just was getting dragged into this scene. Almost like I'm, I'm, I'm feeling way beyond Venus even, kind of dragged into this eternal next that I'm already feeling that I, as I've been going along my trip. And it was just like I'd been filled, I'd been led, I'd been moved, and now it was kind of all getting summed up with this one little moment with the star. And I was telling Esther about it. And I'm, I'm going to tell you more about it because the... Um, the process of, of, of living in, in Christ, if you're going to keep doing it, has to do with those kind of moments. When you kind of go back to the basis of what it is that keeps you going, what keeps you going to the next place? How do you get dragged into something beyond yourself? Since it always seems like just uh, entropy, if nothing else, just kind of dragging us into less than ourselves, or off the track, or into some kind of homeostasis that is so hard to break, into some kind of habit inside or out that we don't know why we're even doing it. But if you're, if you're moving with the spirit, you know, and you're, and you're kind of keeping yourself, you know, uh, access points to what is the basic thing that got you into this to begin with, you actually get a chance to keep going. So that's, that's, that's my speech in a nutshell. How are you going to not get burned out? How are you going to keep some fire and end up like Paul, who gets to the end of his life having not only been transformed himself, but he, he starts transforming the world and has been going ever since even down to what we're doing. And, the, and the, the word keeps rolling along. So that's what I was trying to do on my pilgrimage. I was trying to try to keep, up, to keep step with my big mentor, because I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Paul guy from the beginning. You probably saw this in the back of your Bible. When I saw this in the back of my Bible when I first became a Christian, I even back then I said, I really want to go there. I want to do this thing with this guy. Especially when I got a little older and I actually became a church planter like Paul was, then I really wanted to do it because he felt like he was a very unlikely church planter. I mean, you've read his story, and he said, well, I, I was untimely born. Well, how did I get to be an apostle? That's, that's so absurd. You should believe in Jesus because I'm your apostle, you know, because it's just crazy making. And I felt that way, too. I said, how in the world did I ever get into this? 
but it was uh, the Spirit of God. And um, so I decided we are going to follow this uh, journey, the Grecian part of the journey there, and we did it. And um, all along the way, it was great. Paul had, uh, had unlikely things happen to him on his journey, too, of course. And this is the famous, parts of the famous story that he always told about that moment when he was dragged way beyond himself and he was actually moved to do what the Spirit told him to do. But the first time it happened was like uh, the, the time he never forgot. It was so radical. He kept telling the story. Like, um, he's telling the story to King Agrippa in Acts here at the first part of it. And um, he says exactly, this is, this is what Jesus told me in, in, in a nutshell. I'm going to take you, you know, from your people. I'm going to send you to all these other people. And um, you're going to help them to receive forgiveness and to walk in this newness of life. That's what you're going to do. That's what, the, that's what Jesus said to him in the vision. And he tells King Agrippa, because he's been dragged up again in front of the authorities, again, he's in front of this king, and he says, um, I wasn't disobedient to the vision. I was not disobedient to the vision. And as I'm going to tell you, I went back to it again and again and again. And I'm before you now, and I'm doing it again. Back from that very, very point, I was obedient to that vision from God, and I followed it everywhere. And I've been doing exactly what Jesus told me to do my whole life. King Agrippa is impressed, but that's the rest of the story. You should read it. It's, it's a good one. I wanted to put that last part he said to the Galatians, too, because he kind of sums it up for them when he's trying to reassert this sensibility that they ought to have and that they're, they're, they're losing. You know? And so he writes back to them and says, I want you to know that this gospel I got, this gospel I told you, I'm paraphrasing, I'm trying to find it, I, I, it wasn't from human origin. I didn't, I didn't receive it from a man, nor was I taught it. I received it by a revelation from Jesus Christ. I had this personal moment, and Jesus told me it himself. Jesus continues to walk with me, continues to reveal to me the way I should go. It's that deep. It's that immediate. It's that real. Now, a lot of other things were important, of course. Paul's, Paul's not just following around whatever, he, whatever latest imagination he has. Of course not. But uh, it's that personal touch. It's the risen Lord's presence that kept him going. That's what rekindles his fire. And that's, that's my word to you again and again tonight. It's, it is that immediacy. There's really no other way to keep this thing going. You'll burn out. You won't want to be a Christian when you're 40 or something because it's just too hard if you do it another way. If you can't return back to the immediacy of having this relationship with God person to person, I don't, I don't know how you keep going. And, I'm, and I'm, I've been doing it for decades. And I, that's, the only way I, that's the only way I keep going because it's, it's kind of too hard another way. Bad things are going to happen. Disasters are going to happen. You know, how, how, what do you do when you face the latest thing? What's, what are you going to do? Well, Paul, what Paul does, and I think the, the good example for us is he goes back to the source. And he has nurtured this connection with the source, and he can manage to get fired up again, which I think is, I think is brilliant. We've got to do that, too. My trip kept reinforcing this because um, I, every, every corner I turned seemed to just kind of you know, bring it out again. And so it was really quite, um, quite important because I need that kind of in my time of life. You know, I'm going into a new age of my own life. You know, like when you went from your 20s to your 30s, you go from your 30s to your 40s or whatever it is, that's the nexus. You started your first job, you got your first house, you got married, you had children. These are all kind of touch points where you had to like do it again. Now I have to do it this way. I moved to this new town, now I have to do it here. How do you do it? 
I'm, I'm going to go um, sign up for Medicare. Oh my God, how do you do that? You know, well, I'm going to have to go back to the source, won't I, and figure out how to do it because I, I've come to my maturity in the age of Trump. Who knew that would happen? Here I am at this stage. Circle of Hope has come to its maturity. We've, we have enough you know, stuff. You know, we've we're kind of got some solidity. We've got some good stuff among us. We're, we're in the, we've, we've come of maturity, you might say, in the age of President Duterte of the Philippines. Do you follow any of this stuff? He's the guy that, that got up last week and he told the whole country, if anyone proves to me that God exists, I will quit as president. I don't know if they all rushed over and they've done it yet because I, if I was a Filipino, I would want him to quit right now because he's crazy. The bishop said, You're a, he's a psychopath. Probably is. But that's where we're at. That's the world we live in. Tomorrow, you know, Trump meets with Putin. It's like they have a club. Maybe they'll all meet. You know, Duterte, Putin, Trump, whoever, guy in Turkey, all those guys, they'll all get together and have a strong man's uh, party, I suppose. But in the middle of that, what an opportunity. I mean, what a great time. What a great time to be, to be here because we, we, this alternative that we are really has a chance to be, be real. When Jesus lives in the middle of us and that really happens, well, then you're really talking about something and people need that so badly now. More, maybe, it could be more than ever, but they really need it. And I want to keep exercising my gifts. I want to have that access and, and keep it bright so I actually get a chance to do something that's worth doing in a day that really needs to have something done. So I'm kind of ready to go. But I, you know, I wouldn't lie to you, of course, too, because I'm always, always tempted not to go anywhere. Because <laughs> I have enough money at this age, too, where I could kind of go to Greece for like a month. I could afford it. And I could lay on the beach and let you deal with Trump. You know, that would be tempting. It is tempting sometimes because it's a lot of work. You know, this week, uh, televangelist Paula White, you know about her? I am not related, okay? I, well, we probably are somewhere. But the, uh, the uh, didn't hear her say this? She said she's the spiritual advisor to President Trump. <laughs> I don't know what she does, but the, um, she said that Jesus would have been sinful and since he was sinful, he wouldn't have been our Messiah if he had broken immigration laws by fleeing to Egypt as a baby with his family. That's what she said, literally. It's tempting to just leave Paula White to you, you know, and just go on and, and do something that's just more about me. It's kind of, what I'm saying is it's, it's very easy to lose sight of the apostolic edge, right? When I say the apostolic edge, and we say it around here a lot. It's the place where the gospel is entering new territory into new lives, where the word of Jesus is getting someplace new, where you're, you know, you're telling your story to someone who doesn't know that kind of story. Uh, you could say it's the place where the alternative society that we are as church you know, rubs up against the godless world around it. And when I say godless world, I don't mean everyone's bad and we should judge them because they're not like Christians or something. I don't even know what that would mean. But there's a place where Jesus lives and there's a place where Jesus isn't welcome. You know, and at the edge of that, that's the apostolic edge. Um, it's also the place in me, there's an edge in me too, where my life in Christ demands that I organize the rest of my time and my energies around it. 
so hard to stay there. So hard to stay there. It's, it's, it's very easy to do something else and something less. It's easy to get reduced. How did Paul manage not to do that? This, 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 is, the, this is always the, the question of my, my trip because he, he was running into stuff. I mean, he was running into obstacles that were so big, I kept going, how did you do this? This is amazing. I didn't realize this until I actually got on site for some reason. I can read it in the Bible. It still makes sense. But when I, when I was right there, wa- right there watching it, I was realizing, wow, this was hard. I kept saying, just walking from Philippi to Thessaloniki, Thessaloniki is really hard. <laughs> it's, it's a long way. It's hot, you know, and it's like you're on a, a little old road that I saw the remnants of, and it's full of bandits and soldiers and animals and all sorts of stuff, which he says is, it happened to him. But when I, was, when I was just witnessing, oh, yeah, how did you manage to do that? And then you don't even know where you were. You'd never even been there before, and here you go and doing it. I, you know, I, I was impressed because I had a lot of, of smaller problems. I mean, I had to go back to the risen Jesus, too, you know, to keep going. But um, I, ca- I, I got on the point where I was um, realizing that my obstacles probably are a little less, but I, I got more in touch with my own obstacles and realizing there's a lot of reasons I'm not going to go to the apostolic edge in my, when I get back to the United States. And, but but Paul, Paul met his obstacles and kept on going. Um, you know, for instance, um, oh, not that one. That's another one. Look at that. Um, this was where the GPS led me when I was looking for a church that was dedicated to Paul. These are the kind of things I run into. I have really first world problems because I can't really read my GPS. The story goes like this. I was, I, we, were, we were at this great church that where Gwen had this experience like she saw her own star at this church. It was a church that was dedicated to the, where uh, Apostle Paul supposedly went over the walls of Thessaloniki when people were chasing him out of town. They put a church there and memorialized everything. So we went to that, and that was great. Then I get in my, my rental car, um, which is a stick, which I learned a stick when I was young, but it's not like doing it again, and it's not like doing it when you're on the hills of Thessaloniki. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever been to Greece? Some of you probably have. The whole, everyone builds their town on a hill. And so it's always like this. And when I'm going up a hill with a stick like this, this is not that easy. So I'm going out of this church parking space, and I turn the wrong direction because I'm not listening to Gwen, and I just think I know where I'm going, as usual. And so I, I go into this neighborhood that is so steep and so tiny that my rental car is driving. I, I'm really scared I'm going to wreck the car because I can't drive it anyway. And I'm going up and down these hills, and we, we, they are all one way. They're all really tiny, and we are just thinking, I'm going to get lost in this, and I will never get out. We finally got out because Siri got us out. And, and so Gwen plotted the, uh, the way to our next destination, which was supposedly to be this great church dedicated to the Apostle Paul, which I've been looking forward to. So um, we, we follow this um, address that we thought we had, and we go oh, like miles to get there. And I go, wow, this is really far away. I wonder why, they, why it's clear out here. And this is the address we got to. That was it. Of course, I took a picture because I'd started taking pictures of my obstacles. Because when we got to this, we were so mad at each other. Because you knew it wasn't clear out here. And I said, well, you can't read the GPS right. And I said, I don't know why it said that anyway, because I had the address. No, you must have the wrong address. You know how that, got, how that goes. And so I'm, we're sitting out there having this, and I go, wait a second. 
I'm going to take a picture. Because I don't want to forget this. Because this is the kind of stuff that leads me off the track. And I remember it. I have a history of it. Do you do this? I have a history of all the things that went wrong, all the things I did wrong. Gwen certainly has a history of everything I've done wrong. And some of, some of you can remember everything I've done wrong, too. And you can tell me if I, if, if I got an argument. And uh, that's, that's, uh, it's good for me to remember that, because I have obstacles, too. When um, Paul was uh, on his uh, journey, he had plenty of obstacles himself. And he also was uh, glad to tell people that I don't care what you thought I did. I don't care what you think my history was. What I can tell you about is this present tense relationship I have with God. Because I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not my history. And, and we're, we're not our history either. It, it, really, it really doesn't matter where you've been. There's, then there's no map really for where you're being led. The past can't even tell you. Paul wasn't going where he had ever been either. And, 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 and what I think you should get out of that is it doesn't matter what you've done or even what has happened before, really. Um, I mean, that doesn't mean that Jesus didn't reveal something in the past or that he reinvents the wheel every day. It means that what really matters is where you're going now with God. What's going to happen next? Are you really with him or not? Are you just a matter of what you did before? Are you just going to keep doing it again? Are you not going to grow? Are you not going to change? Are you not going to move? Are you not going to really follow? And Paul's behind the expert of this. He left his history behind, and he kept going. I think we got to remember that when we were at Circle of Hope. I don't know how much, if you guys are all into this, because I don't know every, all of you that intimately. Uh, maybe you're not really into Circle of Hope anyway, so that's okay. But a lot of us are. And, and, we, have a, and we have this sense of history about us, too. Like, we've been really good. We're really, we're really great. This is a really great thing. We built it together. It's splendid. We have a history. And you've got to really remember, I think, that to know, really, your history is your launch pad, not, not your character. It just doesn't make you who you are. I mean, you don't rely on your resume to make a way in the middle of a crazy world. You have to rely on, on Jesus, right? Um, it, it, that, that story that we have is, 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 should be as fresh as the first time we, we told it, because that's what really makes us who we are. History doesn't make me who I am. Uh, Jesus makes me who I am, right? Like I said, I, I had a lot of obstacles, and that's what I'm going, going through to, to kind of set up what I really want you to get. This one, this one um, it starts like this. Um, my big obstacles ended up being, how do I get to a tourist site, I, like I just told you. So here I am in Philippi. This is, this is my picture of Philippi, <laughs> our first destination. We were excited. We found it. We weren't sure we could do it. We found Philippi. So we're, we're walking up to the ticket window. We found the ticket window, which was that, wasn't that easy to find. And so as soon as we're walking up, this tour guide literally runs up to the window and gets in front of me. It upset me. She has like 40 people to go, 10 minutes to go through this process because they go through everyone, zip, 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 zip. She has to triplicate thing to get in and all this jazz. Oh, and she was French. She was, they're, and they're all speaking French. So it's made me even more mad. I don't know why. So I, so I took her picture. This is where I first started taking pictures because I, I wanted to remember these little incidents. Paul is having this obstacle in Philippi. And this is the kind of stuff I face. Um, 
I'm offended. My, my rules don't seem to be followed. The caption on the picture should be, here I am in Philippi, someplace I always wanted to go, and I'm mad because the French woman is making me wait, and it's making me mad. That's how tiny you are. That's what this is really all about. That's what we really have to look at. It's how hard it is to wait. I don't know, maybe you're not like me. I'm, 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 I guess I'm a pain in the neck. How hard it is to bear the injustice. When someone sins against you, when someone sins against me, how hard it is to put up with them and not just like really get upset because they're not following the right way, they're not following the rules, they didn't, they didn't do something that was um, pleasing enough to actually get through my grid of a propriety, you know. I'm such an American like that, which really pisses me off too, because the um, Americans love law. You know, we're a nation of laws, right? We keep saying that. We keep yelling it at Trump. Nation of laws, because we're, we think that's really super, super important. We make laws about everybody, and we make them about the whole world, so they have to do what we think is right because we're the best, and they should do what we say, right? We're just like that. We make laws that we don't have to really care about each other because the law will care about them. Nothing ever has to happen. The law cares. I don't have to care. There's a law about that, isn't it? You know, go to that office, and it'll fix you up because there's, a, there's already a principle about it. There's a program for that. I don't have to have any personal love or something like that. The law makes you free. So be free, and I'll be free of you too. That's kind of like how we are. Law is like an expression of our power. Paul, thought, Paul had a lot to say about this too, didn't he, right? Because he's an expert in the Jewish law. And the Jews all think that the law makes them everything. And um, one of his biggest challenges, because he knew Jesus is like a Jewish gift to the world, but he also knew that the gospel he was bringing them was, was, would transcend that and would complete it. You know, um, such, you know, such law like the Jewish law is great. It tutors you for where you need to get. But it's Jesus that's the de destination. And so that's what he was trying to tell them. And they would uh, blow him off. In all the church plants that he had, there was always this argument about law. You read, you read the books. That, I mean, the, that we call them books now, but they're letters back to these churches. And, and uh, a great part of them will be, you know, what he's talking back to the people who are making the new rules, who are trying to take over the place, who have installed some law that isn't what he was talking about. You know, and uh, really was upsetting in a way. You come to find out that if you start an argument with somebody and you say something like, Jesus is Lord, and that's how you start your argument, and you expect affirmation, you might not get it. That's why he tells the Corinthians, you know, no one's gonna, no one should tell you anything except they start with Jesus is Lord. He said, I'm, reiter I'm reiterating this. It's, I, it kind of embarrasses me that I have to say it, but I'm saying it. Because uh, people don't have this Lord relationship with Jesus. They don't have this personal thing they're doing with Jesus. When they say Jesus is Lord, it might be an abstraction. And what they really are going to talk about is this rule that they're following. But Paul's saying, no, that's what makes us able to do this thing we're going to do. In the United States, they'll tell you that the law makes you free. In, uh, in Paul's uh, gospel, no, it's, it's Jesus that's going to make you free. Your past doesn't make you who you are. The law doesn't make you free. It's Jesus. Jesus will. A lot, uh, there's so many distractions along the way um, if you want to have a new life in Christ, especially if you want to get to the end, if you're that serious. Um, you can really lose sight of the apostolic edge. 
I was doing it all the time, and I was on a pilgrimage about it. You know, for, for instance, I'm, I'm in this uh, nice restaurant, beachy restaurant, and um, I was really enjoying it. We, kind of, we were alone to begin with, which I kind of like. And so we, we weren't alone for long because somebody came in, this couple came in, and the first thing they did while they were waiting for their food is they lit up a cigar and they were sharing it with each other. And Gwen and I look at each other, of course, and this, I hate to tell you what Gwen and I are really like, but we both kind of go, oh my, it was almost like, we didn't say, oh my God, because we don't say that, but it was like that. And it's like, there's, there's, there's cigar smoke in my nostrils. They're smoking a cigar in public. Cigars should be forbidden anyway. But certainly in public, what are you crazy? That's the most accurate smoke possible. You know, it goes on and on. So we're, we're upset about this. So while we were complaining about that, as if that weren't enough, this new group comes in, and they happen to be all these super rich Americans. You can see, you can see Grandma right there in the white hair. I mean, her hair just speaks wealth to me. And um, her clothes were even better. She was extremely attractive, and her um, clothes were just like, wow, you, like her clothes cost as much as my car. It's great. And um, all of them are like that. And their conversation was like that, too. And so the two marriage and family therapists are listening to the American family, pretending that we're Italian, so they don't know we're eavesdropping on them. And um, I, I, I didn't like it. Entitled, they're fighting rich people fights. Um, their kids are, are doing certain things that I would expect of them, and they're reacting in a similar way. And I said, wow, I judged the heck out of them. I am just judging the heck out of you people. You are, there's cigar smoke in the air. I consider the whole pack of you to be an immoral people from the United States, and you're representing everything bad about my people. And so I said, Gwen, take a picture. Erica, here it is. Here I am. Here's my obstacle. You know, I, I, I better get a picture. Paul's, uh, you know, I, I have a morality of space, you can tell. <laughs> There's certain things that happen in my space shared space with people. There's, there's a whole thing that goes with it in my mind. So I have a lot of restaurant sheds. Meanwhile, Paul, my mentor, has a morality of grace. The sacrifice of Jesus was the beginning of a new era of being holy by gift, not becoming holy because you did the right ritual or you, or you didn't do the wrong behavior. Right? It's, it's a new kind of thing. Many people didn't like this at all. They thought that was much too complicated, and they couldn't tell what was going on well enough. Where's the real moral code here? We already had the Ten Commandments. It was so easy. You know, you break them all half the time. You know, it seems, you appear to at least, because you're embracing all these people who are essentially sinners. You know, why do you keep doing that? You know, you say, what's well, because of the sacrifice of Jesus? Well, what are they going to shape up? That's what they're really supposed to do. You know, so they, he was having this fight all the time. And when he was explaining it, he would have this radical tear where he would give everybody grace. You know, and it's just this huge blanket of love that he's spreading all over the world. And they would have this, like, secondary tear when he would say, but you probably shouldn't, you know, uh, let your hair fly out around in public, women. And, you know, and you probably, you, you know, should straighten up your sexuality. So it sounds like he's uh, super um, legalistic on one side. And so with trying to work this out with Jesus as Lord in the middle of it made all the church plants very messy, <laughs> just like this one is, because we go through this all the time. We have these arguments all the time, right? 
Those further along always have to be helping the people who just got in the door. If they don't, there's going to be trouble with them. And the ones who just got in have to recognize they don't really know where they're going yet, and they'll have to actually recognize they'll have to, figure, to work out something. A lot of people resist that on either side. Why should I be caring for all these people cluttering up my, my, my church with their immorality? It's so irritating. Why can't they just straighten up? And the ones that come in, why should I be listening to all these people? What do they know? You know, I'm an adult person. So it's a constant problem because this one-size moral code is not going to fit any, every circumstance. Jesus is going to have to be Lord. Very, it's very challenging. I think that most Christians in the United States don't want Jesus to be Lord, you can tell. They really do like their moral code much better. That's why they all dashed out and elected Vice President Pence to be their, their Vice President, because he's going to save the world for evangelicalism, they're going to straighten this thing out. And the immoral United States can be righted if we just get enough Supreme Court justices in there to roll back this godlessness that's been taking over the land, and then we'll have everybody doing the right thing. And they really are working on that because that's where, they, that's where they come from. I don't mean to judge all of them. I don't know what they all do. But I know that they all are going this direction. <laughs> they really wanted that to happen. They're excited about this new guy, Kavanaugh, who's going to be the next person to overturn Roe v. Wade or something and stop getting people from getting married, all that, and all the other bad things that are happening in the world. Um, in our church, I think we're, we're in danger of getting divided up on that 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 um, thing I just described right now, that um, argument. I've heard a couple of people tell me this. I, I don't know if it happens here. Um, maybe this is just so purely left that like, you wouldn't even come into this door unless you already knew it, you know, because you don't want to get into that group because they're that kind of people. I don't know. Is that, is that what it's like? In some places, you know, you can get, you can come into the church and you can get pinched, you're, you know, they'll pinch your booty over here because you're not conservative enough. And then they'll pinch your booty over here because you're not liberal enough. And they, they, they tell me, okay, what is going on? <laughs> Why do I have to go through this political argument? Why are you even talking about this stuff? What did I get into? I thought that's what my, that's what my family does. That's what your church does too? I thought, this was the, I thought you keep talking about alternative, Rod. What did you have in mind? What are you talking about? It seems like the world to me. Let's, I think we're, getting, we're, we're tempted to divide up around that. Um, when people do those immoral things that offend our sense of morality. Um, morality won't protect us, really. It won't justify us. History won't make us who we are. Um, the law won't give us freedom. And morality won't protect us or justify us. It'll have to be Jesus. When the risen Jesus appeared to Paul, this is part of the story he told Agrippa. Part of his message to him, the first thing he asked him was, why are you kicking against the goads? It's hard to kick against the goads, aren't, isn't it? Because he was like a, the implication was, he was like an ox. You always have a goad, because they're, they're, so, they're thick-skinned. You've got to have something to get their attention. And you try to keep them on a track. And he was, he was goaded himself, and, but he wasn't on the right track. He had to kick against the goads. And it was hard for him to do so. He was, he was going the wrong direction. He was actually, he not only didn't recognize the Messiah, he was trying to uh, arrest the followers of Jesus. And it was painful to think that he had to go a different direction. I think for, for a lot of us, it's, we have those messages in our mind and in our circumstances too. 
you know, be your past, don't be your future. You know, it is what it is. Be law, follow the rules. Not, don't, don't, don't go for freedom, too dangerous. Be morality. Uh, have, take care of things according to propriety. It's not, it's not grace. That's too hard. How did Paul not give in? How did he keep going? He tells part of it when he's, when he's talking to his uh, disciple, Timothy, at the end of his life. And this is how he starts off one of the things he's going to say to him. Um, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. He's saying, I'm, I, he tells him, I'm speaking to you from the place where I'm in the presence of God. He goes right back to that personal place, that person-to-person place where he actually can say with all confidence, I'm telling you what I'm telling you because I was just with God. You can, and you can test it out because you're with God. And we can work on this thing with Jesus who is the Lord. When we're in that kind of space as a people and Jesus actually lives within us, well then people can, we can, we can talk to people that way too and they can see it. Well, of course, I can meet God right here with these people. Not a, it's, not a, it's not something from the history. It's not just a, a law code. It's not just a bunch of morality. No, it's the living Jesus. Jesus is risen from the dead. And we can work this out right now. You've already had a lot of opportunities to do that tonight. I wonder how it worked for you. Did you just mail it in? I don't know what you do. It seemed like you were into it. The team was into it. That was good when we were worshiping. The people who were speaking to you were into it. They were sincere. It was nice. You know, but did, did you, could you be present to it? That, that's, that's the key issue. It's hard, isn't it? It's easy to say, I don't think I'll go to the meeting because I'm kind of tired. Or the meeting is stupid. Why would I go to that? They didn't do it right. Or why do they do it that way? It should be done this way. You, know, you can, you can get, go right back. This is not how we did it five years ago, and that was better. You know, you can automatically get goaded right into the distraction rather than know what's there, be in the present right now because it's the time to be. In, you came to your maturity at the proper time. Now's the time to... Uh, be with the risen Lord. Not some other time then or some other time just later. No, no, right now, then we'll get to what's next, right? I want to give you just one more opportunity, and it'll be kind of symbolic, but it, but it has to do with this last picture. Again, I'm at a beach. I'm in Greece had a, at my beach hotel. <laughs> this is walking out of my door. It was nice. I, it had just stopped raining, so I decided to go out and see what was happening. And as soon as I walked out, um, Gwen's drying her hair or something. So I'm alone. And there's the rainbow. And again, it's just like I got drawn right into that promise. That, that, that beautiful thing, you know, that, that kind of uh, God's, God's still the creator. God's still with me. And that's how I felt about it. And I was drawn into silence and had this wonderful moment you know, we're in that space where I have my personal relationship with God that's so deep to me. I got to be refreshed, you know, I was, I was there again. It was very moving, so much more that I, I ran back and took one of my bad pictures. I said, I gotta get this rainbow. It was better before I took the picture. I waited too long in my silence. No, I gotta, gotta have it, gotta carry it with me. 
we were struggling, you know, we were seeking, and then something totally of God broke through. That's great. And often in the silence, that's a good time to have a break. So why don't you take just a symbolic few seconds and try it and be, you know, see if you can turn your heart into the presence of God and let Jesus be with you. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.